Thank you all for tuning in to Roar Podcast. I'm your girl, Virtue. I'm Erica. I'm Kanisha. And today we're going to be just talking about raising African-American kids in today's society. With everything that's going on, raising our children up to be guarded and protected and things that we talk to our kids about things that we instill in our kids, not just uh, as being parents, but just being women of, of faith and Christian women, being a Christian family. Our kids are being attacked because of the color of their skin. Yes. And it is nothing new. This is something that's been going on since decades. But now, since George Floyd, since uh, Rayshawn Brooks, since all going back further, you know, Trayvon Martin, Mike Brown, I mean, the list go on and on and on. And it's like, how can we raise our kids up to not be the statistic that the society want to put them in? And um, it's real. It's real. I was watching a podcast today. My niece sent it to me. And a um, just several different black men and how they go about raising their kids and how they instill in their kids, how they're raising their kids to be in the in today's society. And their kids are, some of them are grown, some of them are young, but the fact is they're being targeted because of the color of their skin. What What are some of the things that y'all experience, Erica and Kanisha? I mean, I have a boy. Erica, you have a girl, and Kanisha, you have both boys and girls. So it's like, what are some of the things that you talk to her about to keep her safe and aware of racial? I've been talking to Alana for as long as I can remember her being about age five, actually. And a lot of that stemmed from um, the environment that she is fully aware of, like with her biological father. Um, not like putting them out there or anything, but, you know, just saying that we live two different lifestyles, right? So I've had to talk to her since about age five or six. Now that she's older and understand um, the conversations I have are direct, you know, she is a woman of color. She's a dark-skinned woman of color, natural her, you know, a lot of people be like little newbie and queen, but, <laughs> you know, I just want her to know that just because she sound a certain way, you know, when people say you talk proper, um, that happens right now as well. And just because she dresses a certain way does not mean that she can't be targeted because a lot of times the targeting isn't just with officers. The targeting of racial profiling as well as um, prejudice and many other things is within the schools. Mm-hmm. It's deal with it as early as preschool. And Alana is a victim of dealing with as early as preschool. So now that she's in high school dealing with this, oh, she's on edge with almost everything, everything she does um, when it's not a person of our skin color. Mm-hmm. And it's so unfortunate. But um, yeah, our conversations are direct, blunt. We have, we watch, you know, the news here and there about what's going on. And as she's driving, because uh, I've been letting her drive lately, I let her know, you know, what to do if a cop stop her, 
Um, even if they just riding by to get somebody else, move, you know, move over, what to say, what not to say. And that's just the world we live in. And because of, because of who her father is, her biological dad is, um, it's important that she knows certain areas and certain things to do and say, especially to cops in those areas, because, you know, unfortunately, as he was younger, as a teenager, um, he was targeting himself, you know, rightfully so. Some people bring it on themselves, some people don't, but I'm just saying he was too. So, I mean, it's it's rough. That's, that's to sum it up. It's rough raising a kid right now in today's day and age. It's rough raising a black kid period mm-hmm. and not just in today's day and age and now we have to worry like when your son starts driving and then when Kanisha's kids get older the changes that's going to come to the justice system and how our kids are going to continuously be targeted or not so yeah that's that's what I, that's what I do to sum it all up I talk to her and I pray I pray I yeah. just pray for her even riding in cars with friends I pray over her because you just never know. Yep. Yep. So, you know, with me having a seven-year-old and a five-year-old, my, I have a little boy who's five, and then I have my daughter who's seven, and then one on the way who's a boy as well, who I worry about because, yeah, it's, I mean, while while everyone is being targeted um, who is Black or African-American or whatever you identify as, I have a little bit more of a wary for my boys than I do for my daughter. Um, not to say that she's not in danger because she definitely is, um, say her name, Brianna Taylor, you know. Um, but what I have done is, and what I'm trying to, to keep going, me and my husband is just talking to them. We, you know, talking to them like they are adults and aware, using, you know, using all the verbiage we will use in a conversation with each other as adults so that they can understand what's going on and we can get an understanding. At first I felt like, oh man, this is kind of growing my kids up too fast. But the thing is, at the same time, that can, you know, nurture some sophisticated kids that are able to convey what they are trying to say. And, you know, they, you know, so I'm trying something new. You know, parenting, there's no book. You just kind of experiment as you go. Um, also, just awareness of self and, you know, let them know that they are beautiful and wonderfully made. And um, they, you know, as Black people, we have contributed, you know, to everything in this society in America and just letting them know that, you know, you are not thrown by the wayside. You are somebody. You do You do matter. You know, and I, I show them that if you were not, had we have not been here, think about all the things that would not have come into fruition as far as all the inventions and all the ways of life. We wouldn't even, they wouldn't even have cell phones in America, you know, if it had not been for uh, African-American. So just letting them know, first off, before we let them in, uh, into the world, because yes, it does happen as early as preschool, um, who they are so that they have self-awareness so that they can be comfortable in their own skin so that even when they are met with, you know, racism or bias of any kind of mistreatment, uh, God forbid, but um, they won't be so quick to want to shun and, and, and 
and shoot down their skin color and who they are. They'll be able to stand proud in who they are and be able to convey what they need to say in that situation and, and be able to walk away from it not so damaged. Because, I mean, the reality is every, every time we go into one of those situations, y'all know too from experience, it's a damaging situation. You lose a little bit when you go through those situations in the grocery store, being judged as a, a black mother, you know, by someone, you know, because it's, it's not just, it's, it's not just like you said, it's not just systematic. It's not just like the schools. It's not just like the healthcare system, but it's walking out your doors. That's when, you know, it's, it's strangers, you know? So yeah, first awareness of self is where we're at right now. And you know, letting them know what's going on. So when they see protesting, rioting, we, we have conversations about that. And plain language is, you know, it's not Google Gaga or anything like that, you know, so that's what we've been doing. So does your five-year-old son know, <clears throat> or, or seven-year-old daughter, do they know what's going on? Do they understand what's going on? They understand that we are under two pandemics right now. Mm-hmm. definitely understand it and, and you know what it's been a lot easier since we talked to them um you know and, and i think a lot of it too came from michelle obama's book becoming mm-hmm. because she always talked about how her parents treated them kind of like they were adults right so i try to do the same thing with my kids i talk to them like they are adults uh in the sense of when we're having like you know heart-to-heart conversations so that they can understand what's going on and not feel like we're treating them like kids that are incapable of understanding and knowing what's going on so that's the reason why they kind of they know what's going on we don't get a lot of can we go and go swimming today can we go do this because they understand they'll say right off the bat the pandemic is still going on and ra- uh, racial injustice is going on. So right now we, we just need to stay put or right now we're going to do this. They fi- they've been finding ways to entertain themselves around the house. They may ask, can we go and buy sprinkler, a sprinkler system for the, the trampoline today? And it's, it's things like that. And it's only happening because we've been talking to them and letting them know what's going on. That's good. I talked to my son. <clears throat> I've been talking to my son. Um, about being a kid of color. And even though he's light-skinned, um, so they, they may not be, well, when, he, when he's with his friends, they may, you know, not see that as an issue because, he's you know, he's pretty light, you know, so they may take him for being white. But at the same sense, I have to talk to my son and let him know that you're still Black in this in this white American world. You're still Black. And when you have friends who are white and you're out with them if something was to go down who do you think they're going to look at who do you think they're going to target my son and i have this type of conversation because we are out in a majority caucasian neighborhood Mm -hmm. so i have to make him aware i have to have him understand i have to have him remember who you are don't get caught up in this, in the hype. Yes, we don't see it, thank God. We don't see the, the racial profiling, but it doesn't mean it does not exist. It doesn't mean that, and I pray that it doesn't, and I get sentimental when we have these conversations because as a single mother, not just a single mother, but a, 
African-American single mother raising an African-American young boy into a man, and not just a man, but a Christian man, I tell him all the time, people don't know who you are. They don't, they don't know your background. They don't know where you come from. Um, the first thing they see is your skin color. And if they're having a bad day, if they were to sit here and say, oh, this black kid is walking in my neighborhood, they don't know that you come from a Christian background. They don't know that you come from an educated family. They don't know that your mama got several degrees, got a master's degree, is an entrepreneur. They don't know that your brother, I mean, that your uncle is a Christian man, is an entrepreneur, that you come from a family of money, of wealth, of entrepreneurness. They don't know that because of your skin color. And so I have to talk to him because he's a black man, black boy growing up to be a young, growing up to be a man. And we have to have these conversations with our kids. I get in my son's ear and I have to be real with him. He's 13. He's at that age to where he needs to know what's going on. He's about to go into high school. And when you're around these privileged white people, Caucasian people, you forget. So I have to remind him all the time. Yeah, you. Not, I'm not saying hate white people because not all white people are bad. Not all white people are racist. Not all white people hate blacks. But be aware of your surroundings. Understand where you come from. Understand your history. Understand what Juneteenth means. Understand the leadership of where of, of our leaders that had to fight to get us where we are now so we can be out here in this neighborhood. We can be free to go to a store and not be racially profiled. I take him down to my old neighborhood sometimes and I have to educate him where I grew up. I didn't grow up out here. I grew up on the north side on Aldine off of Martin Luther King and Taylor down the street from Woes off of King, North Kings Highway. <laughs> if it wasn't for my family, if it wasn't for my aunts, helping my mom to where we can get out of that neighborhood, I guarantee you, I would have been a product of my environment because we, my brothers and I were going down that path. We call ourselves being in gangs, getting caught in drive-bys every day, having to fight one another so that I wouldn't get bullied or my brothers wouldn't get bullied or somebody trying to rape or grab me or, you know, kidnap me. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's real. So now we out here, I'm, God has blessed me to be able to have a life where my son wouldn't have to have that problem. And yet, we still got to fight. And it's that's, that's my frustration. Hmm? It's a double-edged sword. We, you know, we can try to move our children away from those surroundings, but the reality is there are different devils in those surroundings no matter where you you picking your poison basically yeah you know you can stay in the neighborhood and you can teach your kids you know ask for my house we're gonna mm -hmm. praise the lord ask for my house we won't tow guns ask for my house 
you know, X, Y, and Z. But um, it's, it's definitely, you pick your poison wherever you, you raise that child. Is there is, There's no safe zone. There's no safe zone anywhere. Mm-hmm. It's sad. It is. I have to, um, we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago and uh, I had him watch the George Floyd video. And when I say the look on my son's face, the tear, my son cried. He said, he said, I don't understand why the officer did that. He wasn't doing anything. I don't understand why he will kill him like that. And that's when I I had to sit down and had to get really real with him and say, babe, that's lynching. They lynched him. They lynched George because even though of his background, it doesn't make it right. Even though of the situation why they were called to the scene in the first place doesn't make it right. Which we're finding were false allocations anyways, or allegations anyway. So, you know, it if you had the officers have been doing their job, nothing would have mattered but the case that they were for they were there for at that point in time. Exactly. Exactly. And the fact that you have all these other officers around, nobody stopped him from doing that. Nobody said Okay, enough. Nobody. I don't get it. It was definitely personal. It was personal. Aside from them working together, maybe, you know, whatever it is, whatever hatred he had in his heart, nothing but the devil, obviously. Um, It was personal. It was personal. You could tell by the look on his face. Um, I watched it. I called Alana in the living room to watch it. And she just froze. And she was she was completely lost for words. So where she she was like, I don't want to watch TV right now. Like she just couldn't take no more. I mm-hmm. it weighed on me so bad. I actually watched it twice. I watched it the first time by mistake, going down the Instagram feed. I'm like, what's this? You know, I'm thinking police brutality. And to watch a well, eight I didn't <clears throat> I didn't watch the whole eight minutes, but to watch what would have been eight minutes and however many seconds, 26 seconds of this man begging and pleading for somebody to get their knee off his neck, I immediately pictured my African-American daughter, male Mm. or female, because it happened, Sandra Bland, it it happened to many of us. So it's, I don't think at this point, it's not about who or what gender, because all genders, LGBT, you know, they classify themselves as LGBT, then you got male, female, whomever, they all are humans and they're all being targeted, all of them. And so I just looked at it, you know, and I turned it off. And I'm, when I say I had the biggest headache, I felt sick. I felt like I knew him. I felt like mm-hmm. that was my daughter on the ground. I just, and then we had, you know, me and Lana had our conversation later that night. She did, we couldn't talk. It was just complicated to even start the conversation on it. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? At that time, because of so much anger, it's almost like I was, I felt as though I was close enough there, like I was the recorder or something, you know? And I I don't think that, I I think that the fight isn't over. I think we, we as people have to fight harder alongside with our children. 
yeah alongside with our children they need to be included they should not be secluded because unfortunately they deal with the same from bullying you know white kids bullying our black mm-hmm. kids mm-hmm. they deal with um being lied on um then you got that that case that was just in georgia well not just it's been about roughly what four to six years since it's happened but that georgia case where the guy was rolled up in a mat at a high school yeah and that story went under the rug within a month from me hearing about it no problem first came out yeah and they swept it under the rug as well as the judge and everyone else swept and that was a high school so that can be one of our children yeah and he i don't care what anyone says and the lord himself knows he was killed by the white boy who, you know, was upset that he would talk to his girlfriend. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I just magically somehow the video uh, gets edited in the middle of him running across the room and him never coming back across the room and, wow. people, and people disappearing out of the room. But, oh, no one touched it or edited it. No, that could be one of our kids. I call crap. So I right. definitely think we have to fight harder yeah we definitely do and it starts in the home and i'm talking about to the school and not just on the streets everywhere everywhere um i I think that we could benefit for more involvement like you remember how nosy our parents used to be (laughs) yes (laughs) Y'all, I used to get caught at school. I could be in the classroom and it's just regular, you know, school business as usual. I could be in the classroom and my daddy be like, I came by today. Luckily today, you was in your seat doing what you were supposed to be doing. <laughs> it used to be be with AJ. Don't you have work to do, sir? You you here looking at me? But no, I, I've gotten caught up like that before. But I do believe with our presence, like, I mean, it may not make, this you know huge change or whatever but if we were able to find a way and this works through networks as well because let's be honest the price of living is not easy right now mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. is absolutely positively a blessing to have a two or more income home okay so mm-hmm. when we we talk about like our single mother's virtue you know um or just parents who are not making a living wage because yeah you may have two incomes but they may not even add up to you know a, a working wage together so it would i think it would really really help if we had networks where we got a, a phone tree going and you know there were parents who were able to pop in on behalf of you know this family and that right. family you know what i mean if we took turns and we all popped up at the schools and popped up at the, the sports clubs and you know we were always present or whatever to make sure, and we are advocating for every last kid because so often too, we see things happen. It may be a small exchange. We may be out at the store and we may see some kids who are without their parents in the store and they are patrons and someone may say something to them. We need to, it needs to be an understanding for us to speak up and advocate for children, you know, when there's no one else around to advocate for them. So I think that we could benefit from being more present as well. I mean, it's not going to make a big difference, you know, I don't think with the police, but I think with, you know, some of these other systems like school and, you know, the sports teams and and things like that, um, 
just being there, just popping in, just, they know your face. They know right. what you expect because I think that that helped a lot in, in Parkway School District for myself with my father popping in all the time. He talking to, you know, he talking to administrators, he's talking to teachers and everything and they don't expect it. And I have noticed a difference. I've been doing that with my kids. I definitely have noticed a, a, a difference, y'all. People treat your children the way you treat your children. Mm -hmm. That's true. I've seen this in, in just the black family alone. We all have that, that family member that talk to their kids like they a stranger right. on the street. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Versus, you know, that family member, be it yourself, that treats your kids, you know, like the children of God that they are. And with the respect and dignity and everything, and you notice that everybody else do the same thing. I mean, it, it's, you know, so that has really been working to our benefit. And I think that we could benefit from more of that, you know, being present. And, and it, it's not an aggressive thing. It's just showing up. Hey, how you doing? What's going on today? And, you know. But, you know, I, I bet it's so true. Because my mom, she would do it sometimes as well when we were growing up. And I did it a lot with AJ when he was in Pattonville School District. But, you know, these schools now make it so difficult for you to not be able to pop up. You got to give them a three-day uh, a three day notice. I uh, found a remedy for that as well. Oh, did you? Yeah, you got to okay. give them a three-day notice uh, in order for them to uh, allow you to come in and check on your kids. I'm like, a three-day? Sometimes I just want to just come in and just check on my son, make sure he's being obedient, doing what he's supposed to do, and not causing the teachers any issues. His teachers at his old school loved that. They was like, we have no problems out of, out, out of your son. He is, you know, he's an angel. We can, we can keep him for days. I'm like, hmm. <laughs> I'm like I bet you know but when they see that yeah. you're when they see that you're an involved parent when they see that you're constantly at the school checking on them you know parent teachers conference uh emailing them if you know if they're if your child is missing an assignment exactly I tell this I tell uh my son's teachers all the time hey if you have any issues out of mind feel free to call me, email me, blow me up so I can get in his butt. And I guarantee you, he will get it together by tomorrow. He will have it together by tomorrow. Um, my son is a good kid. He's a smart kid, honor roll student. I'm blessed that he is a, a, a student that, that walks with character. Um, and I tell him, and, the, and his teachers can, can, can see that. And I tell him, I say, you not only represent yourself, but you represent me. You represent your family, your, your friends that you hang around with. So how you carry yourself is how people will look at you and view you. So always walk with character and, and have integrity. I tell my son all the time, you are a leader and not a follower. They follow you that's to where you can help build them and be something positive and nothing negative. You don't follow the in the in crowd. If you have to stand by yourself, stand by yourself. I know you don't like it. You may it, it's going to be lonely. I get it. I understand it. However, if you see somebody out there doing wrong and your friends going over doing it with them, don't go join them. You walk away. Be different, because it may just be you that take the fall for everybody else. You just don't know. So just walk away. Be different. Be aware of your surroundings. Understand that you are God fearing child 
that you are a child of God. You can't do what everybody else do. You can't do what the world do. Know who you are in Christ. And I tell him all the time, know who you are in Christ and know who you are in your culture and as a, as a yeah. young man. And it's important that we tell them why. You exactly. know, it's not just rules, 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 but let me tell you the reward of knowing who you are. Exactly. You know what I exactly. mean? Exactly. So that when you, you know, if though nothing else motivates you, you know, oh, my my reward is the promise. Exactly. And, oh, the promise includes this, this, this. <laughs> Man, I, I need that in my life. Right. You know? Exactly. And they need to understand because we, the kids now, they're like in a uh, why, why, why society. Like they want to know why to everything. Yes, and I get, because God likes us to ask questions. Exactly. You know? But don't just ask questions when it's um, only pertaining to you. And when you in class in, in school or around somebody else, you don't ask questions and you just follow along. No, why we go do this again? Does this make sense? When you with your friends, ask your friends, does this make sense? Yeah. How is it, you know, would this help us or hurt us? before you go out and do it you know so i just think that it's very important for us to educate and like like erica said it starts in the home like you said kanisha it starts with the parents checking on their kids and also when when they come home talk to your kids get in their head ask them how they day were what did they learn today? What did you do today? And then just go what from there. Encounter, if you did encounter something that was unjust so that we can unpack this. And exactly. I want to talk about really quickly. Uh, go ahead. Not only what we can do to, you know, put quality people into the world from our wombs, but, you know, what others need to do to not be harming my child, mm-hmm. you know, what are you white parents doing to not harm my child? Mm. You know, that's another thing that needs to be talked about. It, it's not, it goes both ways. You're sending yeah. people into the world as well. And you need to be sending, you know, top quality people into the world. It's not just us that need to send top quality people into the world. Right. So, you know, I, yeah. What you guys take on that and how do you feel about that? That is true. And they're raising their kids how their ancestors raised them. Mm-hmm. It's like, are, are they raising their kids to, you know, love all people? Are they raising their kids to love extra on Black people? Like, show us favoritism? Now, we don't need no favoritism. We just need for you all to just treat us equal, treat us how you want to be treated. Would yeah, you want somebody to come against you with a gun to your head saying, oh, you white, so you don't belong here? You know, do you want us to walk around with uh, ropes hanging from our trees when every time you come into our neighborhood? You know, y'all can, they can freely go into our neighborhood. They could freely walk into our, it's crazy how the black culture welcomes them freely into our our space and our territory. But, girl, come on now, that love. But once we enter into their realm, Damn, we don't belong here. You know, we, we don't belong. We're not we're not good enough. Why is it? I know that before we um conclude shortly here, I what do you guys think about the desegregation program that still goes on with our children being able to go to the St. Louis County schools and then white children are are able to apply to come to the magnet schools in the city versus mm-hmm. it just being an open all if you want to try it out this school type of ordeal. What do y'all think about the desegregation okay. program? 
So I am a product of DSEG. Mm-hmm. I went to Parkway School. Um, yep. And um, I can't say that I remember any instances where, maybe one, I had a little boy call me Sasquatch um, mm-hmm. in fourth grade. Yeah, a little white boy called me Sasquatch and um, a gorilla. Um, yeah, but that's about it. Um, but nothing from like administration or anything like that or the teachers or anything that I can remember. However, currently with DSEG, you have, you know, we're still busing our schools or busing our kids and getting our kids out to these schools and the neighborhoods that we don't stay in for better opportunities. And mm-hmm. we have been seeing a lot going on. Um, I think it was Parkway Central that's been in the news um, for uh, Rockwood. Yes, they've all been in the, in the news lately. It wasn't, I didn't, I didn't experience any of that growing up, but it's happening now, and I wouldn't dare send my kids to those schools now. Mm. Sorry. Um, and then, yeah. as far as them coming to the city to go to the magnet schools, these magnet schools are um, letting them in, and they're taking spots for kids here, for the medical schools and things like that, for better opportunities. I'd rather it be all open or nothing at all because it's, yeah, it's, it's taking away opportunities. It's affirmative action uh, both ways. Mm. Yeah. I feel the same way. Like I, I always say if I could take it back, I probably would not have put my child in there. And coming up throughout most of her classroom sessions, you know, their classrooms are pretty small, maybe 15 to one, you know, stu- uh, student teacher ratio. Nice. And with the type of learning capability she had, I don't think she had enough of that, not specifically one-on-one time. I don't think she had enough of the time with the teacher, especially being like the only African-American student in the classroom. You get what I'm saying? I'm not saying that they should discriminate and say, oh, I'm gonna pay this little black girl more attention than the white kids. I'm saying that she felt excluded from a lot of the things that they would be talking about, that Mm. they would be doing, as well as some of the topics, you know, how schools are, like when it comes to like slavery and stuff, she'll be the only black kid in class and she looking around like, okay, this is strange. So I definitely, I I wouldn't have put her in the school. Um, I've had my fair share with her, uh, you know, kids do stuff, so she's done things. And when you get that rapport, you get that rap sheet, whether it's big or small, and you are of color in an all-white school, that's how they look at you from here on out. So your name, every grade level you go to, regardless of what principle that you get, regardless of what a teacher may say that you were here, they give them a rap sheet, and they pass mm-hmm. it along to each grade. And, you know, it's just unfortunate. Every There's a lot of children that, get in trouble and i've heard some of the stories especially being alana being in a dsec program and white and black and we have witnessed and she has called or text me and this is middle school elementary high school where it would be a a fight with maybe a few white boys or something like that you know and she'll see them back at school the next day you'll have a fight with a few maybe just one-on-one one-on-one fight with black girls or black boys whomever of color minority and they're suspended for 10 days. 10 and a hearing. Yeah, 10 days. And then I I, I would ask, and I have asked, I'm I'm at the school, I'm so present, y'all. Let me tell you, I'm present when I need to be present. Hey, y'all, how y'all doing? I'm 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 
I'm right here, <laughs> you know? And I'm very present in the school when it comes to even her sports. I have a photo, just kind of happened. I'm still on topic, but happens to a different. I have a photo of Alana and she she was on the volleyball team and basketball, as everyone know. And all the photos I have of her sports team, she's the only black girl that made the team. Why? I've asked, I said, nobody else tried out of color? Yeah, Miles is one girl that was better than me. Shoot, I thought I wasn't gonna make it. <laughs> and it's favoritism and color. And colorism as well. But you know, that's a whole another topic. So I will take it all back. I will probably put her in, I will put my baby in private school, you know, if I could have did if we could have did it with uh our son, Lil Gabe or whomever our kids, I would put them in private school if I yeah, could. Yeah, and I'm just, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, that's why I feel like I got to get this awareness thing right and get it mm. instilled in, in their heads before I send them out because we might find that, okay, they are ready now to go yeah. into a more, uh, be immersed into an in, environment where everybody don't look like them. Mm-hmm. But for right now, I got to get this awareness together, and then we can send you out in the world, you know. And that's it's my experiment. That's you know that's what we're doing, you know. With yeah. our I, I'm I'm glad that I I'm glad and not so happy that we went through you know putting her in a DSEC program. She got good education. Yep. You know, she's been through her highs and lows, a lot of lows, but quite a handful of highs as well. Being in Rockwood district. Um, but if I was, if someone was to ask me, should they put their child in it? I would say no. Um, mm-hmm. The only school I would probably approve of would be Parkway. Um, Eureka is notorious for the um, white community to make racist Snapchat jokes. It has been all over the news. So this isn't something that I'm just talking, you know, out the side of my neck on. And Alana has witnessed and heard back when she was at Eureka, she was at Eureka for a semester, and then she went to Eureka for elementary as well, and transitioned to Rockwood. And she says she has heard the girls, you know, use the word, use the N-word just fluently. And teachers wouldn't say anything. It's It was just common to do it in the hallway. My mm. question is, at what point are the teachers, I'm not putting all the pressure on teachers, because obviously it starts in the home. But when you're under that, they're, they're under the teacher's care, at what point are they held responsible as adults to at least pull them to the side and say, there is no one more time. You are right. going to the office. Right. Yeah. I agree. And I agree. And that goes back to that question that Kanisha asked earlier. Well, what are your thoughts as to when it comes to the white, the Caucasian people, uh, how they're thinking and how they're raising their kids and how they're training their kids in the household um, or they're being open and cautious of the society that we're living in and are they're teaching their kids, hey, even though you got black friends, don't be out here saying, oh, I got black friends, so I'm not racist. Even though you got black friends, don't give you the right to say the N-word. Mm-hmm. Even though you got black friends, don't give you the right to act like you're black. Mm-hmm. It's staying true to who you are. It's love. That agape love to everyone. That is what we need. Yeah. I I was fortunate enough um, by the, I was just blessed by the grace of my family and how my aunts and my uncle helped my mom get out of 
the ghetto, as they call it, the hood, to where we wouldn't have to experience the DSEG. Now, my brother, and he was in high school, he, uh, we were still living in the city by, at that time, but then eventually we moved into the county, but he was still going to uh, Cleveland, ROTC. So, Which is uh, on, on the better end. It really yeah. was. My sister yeah. went there for a while. She had some behavior problems. My mom went to <laughs> so that's what my oldest brother went to. And then my middle, right. And then my middle brother and I, we ended up, by that time, we were already living in North County. And white folks was heavily involved in North County still. So um, thankfully, you know, we didn't have to experience going to uh, uh, to be in a DSEG uh, program. So I can't really speak too much about the experience because I haven't had it. But knowing that my niece and my nephews are doing it now, um, and seeing that they're how they're growing up and listening to my niece talk, uh, at, at some point she did. She felt like Alana. She felt isolated. She couldn't relate. Mm-hmm. All her friends were white, and the ones that were black, she couldn't relate to them because they were either too ghetto or they didn't accept my niece because she, the way she talked, the way she carried herself, how she had her hair. That's, you know, a, that's, a, that's, another, that's another conversation in itself. We are not monolithic people. And um, I think that that's another con- conversation in itself um, being, because we have a problem accepting each other as well. There we go. Our yeah. And our, um, because we, I mean, we're different. Look at me. I am a black girl who loves sci-fi. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> listen. It gets HGTV. I, I love whimsical, all of that, you know, falling down a rabbit hole and all of that. But at the same time, I, I'm very cultural and everything. We're not just one thing. And we need mm-hmm. to learn how to deal with each other on that and accept each other on that and love each other on that, no matter yeah. where we're coming from. And being able to meet each other where we stand, as well as the world as well, because the world yeah. wants us as one thing, and we're just we're not one thing. It's so much more. I'm a crafter. Yeah, I'm so much more than an ethnic hairstyle. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone asked me, well, I don't understand how uh, you want white people to stop killing black people, but yet y'all still do black on black crime. Ooh! That's not a such thing. There's no such thing as black on black crime, white on white crime. It's intercommunity. <laughs> it's just intercommunity crime. It's intercommunity killing. Um, whoever you stay around, you are more likely to marry mm-hmm. the people that are in the vicinity of who you're around every day. You are more likely to get in altercations, to kill, to do whatever. Mm-hmm. You're going to interact with the people that are in your vicinity. So be it white, black, purple. It doesn't matter. There's no such thing. We got to get that out of our head and our mouths. Exactly. And that's what I said. And so I was just so outdone, but it actually opened up my mind even more to where it made me think deeper than what was on the surface. Going back to slavery. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of it, um, stems from and I hate this I'm not like a conspiracy theorist I'm just going by what I see mm-hmm. is the media they portray for the killings that happen in St. Louis City to be all black nine times nine of ten of them stories they don't say whether the person was black white 
Latino, Mexican, we don't know until a family posts a photo at times, right? Mm -hmm. So people, they would comment under a post where I say, six killings over the weekend, maybe a kid or, you know, some things going on, right? And then you see all these horrible, racist, disgusting comments, black on black crime, but, but how do you know that right. they're black? Because of the neighborhood. They're saying that, but in South because of the neighborhood that they're that they're advertising, oh, North City, South City, you know, is you may hear it, but the crimes that you don't that you that's I out here that city lately because now West St. Louis right. is being gentrified. South St. Louis is being gentrified. Yes. There's parts of North St. Louis that's being gentrified. So we mm. can't run with this same rhetoric anymore. That's true. I agree. I, I completely agree. But we have to we have to have we have to uh we have to stimulate others' mind to look past the surface from what we our black culture has set them to even look at us as. Mm -hmm. We have to we be real with the situation. You know, yes, th those areas have been gentrified, but but at some point when it, when we start to take over them again. What do we do? We run them down. Yeah. So when 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 the news come out to these different areas because of a crime, they can't help but to put in their mind and in in, into their perspective of what what they already saw last. Black so I guess that puts it to perspective. Uh, why doesn't the news? That's that's so much to that. That's I, that's yeah. Yeah. It, it is. No, it, like, it, it is. Yeah, because we we is deeper than being ran down. But why? are they being ran down, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's a lot deeper than that uh, to just, you know, leave it at that. It's, it's ran down because education has left, work has left, um, life chances have left. Uh, it's, there's a reason. It's systematic racism. Yeah, transportation, mm -hmm. food deserts. They don't even have a grocery store to go to. So, you know, there's nothing to do for the youth. There's, you know, all these different things. So because this is the reason why it's being ran down. So right, and I agree. Being that, and I was we men, someone else was having a conversation. Being that young girl growing up in the hood, uh, dreaming of living where I am now, having a dream, but also coming from a family that had expectations from kids to be great. Coming from an inner city school who had people come from uh, uh, outside of that area to come in and show us different things and show us outside of our community. We are lacking leaderships. We are lacking uh, people that's, that's one willing to come into those areas and educate. We're lacking black leaderships. It shouldn't take a white person to come into a black area to educate and, and show black students and kids that it's more to what you see. And that's, I think we got, we have, we have the leadership. I could say, yeah, we have, we have the leadership and but we don't have the funding to reach as many kids. That's as what I'm looking for. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah but the are you seeing those leaders out here doing the work? You see yes, them. I talk to them all the time. Bruce Franks, uh, Kimberly Ann Collins. Uh, I mean, I'm, I could just keep going on and on and on and on. Uh, I've worked with them. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's them, and then you got us, and then you got the outsiders, as in other races, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't have us supporting the Damn. leaders, that's the thing. Like, it's difficult for them to make that move. That, that comes from funding, 
funding is huge, but when you're trying to get funding out of poverty, where is it going to come from? Right. If you're going to get funding out of homes that already don't have food, a job, you know, they're trying, they're out walking the streets too and protesting or do whatever they got to do, but they don't have the finances to fund what we need to put back into our schools and everything right. else. It's just all around bad. And, you know, it, it's, it's difficult because we don't know what these jobs are thinking when they're hiring or when they're firing, right? Mm-hmm. So we don't know if the, a lot of people are applying or not applying and just want to be on welfare. And to clear the air on welfare, predominantly, mostly 46 to 49% of the people that are on welfare are white, yep. not black. Yeah, it was meant for them. Yeah, right. And so people that when they use the term towards blacks, especially when dealing with stuff like this funding, et cetera, et cetera, I'm like, hold up. No, no, no. We, we, we're working hard. We have some hard workers. Yeah. So, I mean, at the end of the day, yeah, it's a lot of leaders. Um, Bruce is doing what he can. I know Bruce because I he's not even, yeah, for he's not even here and dude is still working hard for saying He live out of town days. now. Yeah. yeah. I used to volunteer for him for 28 to Life. I still communicate yep. with Kelly, his assistant. Um, I do what I can where I can. I, I donate behind the scenes a lot, you know? Yeah. And it's just rough out here. We got you know, a woman named Patia Anderson. Patia Anderson runs this art program. Um, she's had a lot of problems over the years with her art program. And it's, it just, it's here. We definitely have a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. We have a lot. It's just the funding. It's, it's the, we have too many people. Uh, I don't know if you guys know about Maslow's D needs. So these D needs are, um, so we need like basics to survive. Like we need, you know, like safety, shelter, food, things like that to survive. Mm-hmm. Um, when you don't have those things, you cannot think about higher education. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can't think about hobbies. You can't think about, you know, it, just those, those things that take your life to full potential. You mm-hmm. can't move to the next level if your D needs are not taken care of. And that's what a lot of that is. The DNEs are not taken care of, so I can't even, you know, think or even figure out, even though I'm trying my best to get my kids into these programs or, you know, mm-hmm. give funding, you know, so it's, it's, it's a lot to it. It's, it's systematic. It's, yeah, system- yes, mm-hmm. that's the word. Overall, that is the word. Uh, that has been the words before George Floyd, of course, and before Breonna Taylor, before Mike Brown systematic uh, racism has been going on as long as we have been birthed onto this earth. Yeah, it's like that commercial. Y'all remember that commercial about going to college? I can't go to college because I don't have any money. I don't have any money because I don't have a job. I don't have a job because I went to college. Yeah, it's like that. It's crazy, man. It's crazy. Man, this is is crazy. We're going to have to uh, talk more about this, but I would love for us to uh, reach out to some of those leaders and see, you know, how can we be involved? How can we uh, be foot soldiers? As you know, I do a lot of stuff behind the scenes as well. So um, with the women, the domestic violence uh, uh, foundation that that I'm with. So, but I always feel like I can do more. You know, but I talked to Bruce and uh, Kimberly and uh, another leader, Kamada McCline, that I've worked with before. Um, And 
what they were saying is basically what's needed right now is voter registration. So that's the best thing we can do. What's the worst thing? I mean, we have nothing to lose from voting. Like we need to go out and vote. We need to vote. Let's try this. What's the craziest thing that could happen if we vote? We get right. what we want. We don't. We don't even know what that looks like because we have not turned out like that. We did great numbers for Obama, but what happened if we keep that going and on a exactly. local level? And you know, we we making sure Congress is the way we want it. We making sure that local government is the way we want it. And we calling out these po- politicians and yeah. asking them, "What are you gonna do for my community?" And if you are gonna do something for my community, then hey, I can get the vote behind you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. So voting. Voting. What's the what's the craziest thing could happen if we vote and we do the census? Yeah, we have to we have to get it instilled in people's mind, and and I don't know how, but because you know people say, well, my vote my vote don't count, my vote don't count. It's all rigged. Well, no, it's not rigged. If that was the case, Obama would never won. If that was the case, you know, we wouldn't be where we are now. You know, Martin King wouldn't wouldn't been able to uh, uh, get get the things that he gotten done, everything did happen because of a voice and because of a vote. Your voice does matter. Your voice, your, uh, your vote does count. So we have to get into people's mindset to understand your, it does matter. It does count. Just because you don't see it happening now doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Doesn't mean that it's not in the works to happen. It's not, the good you have to, in order to get rid of all this negativity, it's a wave. In order to get rid of it, one good is not going to outweigh all that negativity and bad that has already been planted. Okay. It's going to take 400 years. Exactly. It's going to take time for us to see change. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen in a week. It's not going to happen in a year. We just got to keep being out there, keep letting people know that to keep voting, to keep understanding that your voice does matter. We don't have to be out here burning buildings down. How about we, like you said, Kanisha, connect with the with the congressmen, all the women, all the men in our in our neighborhood. Uh, talk to these youth. You know, be more in their face. Be letting them know that we care about them. Yeah, I would I, say, I, you know, before we wrap this up, one of the biggest things is when you how do I normally put it to my daughter because she wants to move out of town you know she want to go to Tennessee State I think most of people know that's her top pick right now but when you move out the hood don't forget the hood and now we don't live in the quote-unquote hood but we live in a city right but when you move out don't forget so you want to go be a prenatal such such this and that you know give back it don't always have to be financial you know, when you come into town or talk to people, it could be virtual. You could do this. You could do that. How can I help bring some resources to wherever you're living to, the, you know, the lower end, like poverty in that area if she's in Tennessee? And like I told, I, I preach this to my daughter all the time. And my, my brother, who you know, Keith, who had passed, he preached this to me growing up all the time. And this is why I am the way I am. If you don't give back to those who don't have guidance, where are they going to find the guidance from? Yeah. Where are they, you know what I mean? Where are they going to find it from? Yeah. And yeah, it's people who you might see two, three years, four years, still panhandling, still in poverty, still doing X, Y, Z. Don't judge them. Just keep helping. Exactly. And that goes for children from babies all the way up. Because unfortunately, mm-hmm. our babies are in that environment. Mm-hmm. The adults don't know how to get out of the environment. And then you got that, that 
violent circle that's just gonna keep going around if somebody don't come in and help break it. Like that yeah. college commercial. Amen. <laughs> there we go. Just like the college commercial. Right. <laughs> that is true. Thank you, Roar listeners, again for listening. Thank you all for supporting. Follow me, your girl Virtue, on all social media at Signature Virtue. Follow my girl Erica at, at Miss Miss Entrepreneur or Astra Couture. And follow Miss K at what? On Instagram, K Sierra, and on Facebook, just regular Kenesha Harris. <laughs> <laughs> all right, y'all. Thank you all again so much for listening. Stay tuned for part two of, of our. Of roar. <laughs> All right, y'all.